0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Blockhash podcast. This is episode 252. Today we have the uh, CMO and co-founder of Averick Saga on the show to talk a bit more about uh, what they're doing in terms of this intersection between blockchain and gaming um, and much more. Sean, welcome to the show. Fantastic to have you on. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here, Brandon.
0: It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, before we jump into things, let's talk a bit more about yourself. Tell me, what, how did you start out into this space? What did you do before? Um, what was your you know, work experience prior? What was your journey like getting to Averix Saga?
1: Got it. So I, I studied uh, business and uh, information systems in Carnegie Mellon, United States. After that, I, I pushed on. I became a data scientist for Merck in Frankfurt, Germany, but Realized that data science wasn't uh, something that I'm an expert on compared to a lot of my peers, and you know, uh, once you you have like one life, you want to exceed and master a certain technique or technology. And I I thought that all right, data science might not be the best option for me, but uh, understanding the tech background and mixing that with I love talking with people and getting Mm -hmm. to know them and actually solving and providing value for them. Using tech. So, okay, cool. We could start out in consulting. And I, I went to Gartner in the United States and then also in London for Gartner research. And after that, I, I moved to Korea for a startup business. It's called Tandy, which is like the Asian version of Slack uh, backed by SoftBank, about 50 million. And then I was, I was leaving the strategy team there until uh, before I, I jumped into the Web3 space. Now, but You know, starting in 2017, I I did traded crypto, but I I didn't really understand how the economics work around it or what kind of vision or what's exactly the blockchain technology is trying to solve. So obviously if you're curious, you got, you kind of get to start to know like, all right, what's the difference between L2 and L1 Mm -hmm. chain? How does the DAO move and what are NFTs behind them and CryptoKid launched? And that's when I started to kind of had my feet in the waters, but during my startup career. I thought that, okay, this is getting bigger. There's there's uh, had a lot of interest behind it. Why not make a project out of it? And then uh, we, we made an NFT project back in uh, last year in September, and that sold out, That which became Averick Saga. Now, uh, once we started our Averick Saga journey with selling out the NFT, uh, I, I'm not a big believer in how, uh, obviously there's a lot of different unique value propositions that PFP genres have, but I thought that, As as a gamer myself, I'm I'm of Korean background. Thought that hey maybe the the gaming is 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 essential to changing how the Web three technology can really amplify. So that so using the money that we raised from our NFT sale, like okay cool, we should we should actually make a triple A game and change the needle on how the paradigm shift of Web two gaming to Web three gaming moves. We could be a start of that, and that's that's how we really started off on our journey there.
0: Awesome. Um, let's let's talk a bit more about the game itself, and then we'll dive into some of the details and fundamentals behind it. Um, care to explain a little bit about what it is and like the, the role-playing aspect of it, the storyline behind it, like what is the game?
1: Got it. So Avric Saga just very simply put in layman's term is a Japanese RPG game uh, in Web3 space. And uh, Japanese RPG game itself, it's, it's a term coined from Square Enix. They're, they're the developers of uh, Final Fantasy, the whole genre. Oh, cool. And we, we thought that, okay, an RPG itself is has longevity and scalability because you're, you're building your own character. You, you, you go on journeys. There's lore behind it, and it sticks, and it has a very high retention span, uh, especially for any games especially in the RPG space. Now, JRPG adds more on like a turn-based strategy game with the character building. That's, that's how it works as coin JRPG, And that's what we're trying to develop. Why we developed and wanted to drive this, this forward is uh, there hasn't been a very strong uh, AAA game title in the current Web3 space when we started out in, in late 2021 and thought that it's even if you take out the play to earn part or the tokenomics part, will I be playing this game? And uh, the consensus of our team members were that, no, I, I don't think I'll play it. I'll either play Call of Duty or League of Legends or Mobile Legends through my phone. Like there, there's a lot of different genres that you can really produce. So even more of Warcraft. And wh- why can't we bring this towards a Web3 space? And that's when we kind of wanted to really drive that forward. And what we're doing right now is the, the, the game aspect, the, the system game loop works as if you, you have a character. Let's say Brandon. You 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 come into the space. There there's a world of average Saga universe, right? There's there's a full on lore on the different factions, how the culture works on each of those different factions, and where does Brandon belong there? Are you a protagonist or are you a villain? And you start out by choosing a faction, and you go around explore how the average Saga universes work. Very similar to Legends of Zelda Breath of Fire, uh, Breath of the Wild. And then uh, while you and you, you meet different NPCs, you meet different heroes, you meet different uh, monsters, and you, as, you, as you fight in a turn-based battle, similar to Final Fantasy, you get to know more about your character and how you react into this world. And uh, the Web 3 space, there is tokenomics involved, obviously, but it's not the biggest value proposition. I think on the play to earn space, uh, tokenomics is basically ownership and tradability. That's like the biggest key point. And uh, the things that you earn throughout your journey in this world, as Brandon, the, the main character, Obviously, you'll you'll sometimes let's say you kill a yeti, you'll 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 be able to get a yeti's ear through that, and then you'll be able to make yetis armor that you could sell, uh, similar to like a skin set. Or you, you let's say you just want to be a farmer. I don't I don't care about killing monsters. I, I have my own plot of land. I want to I want to take care of cher- I like cherish that. Then you could sell some of these ingredients. Uh, be be one of the farmers that sell off these ingredients in the marketplace, which in, in itself it, it entails with the tokenomic structure of. You'll be able to earn subsidiary income on that but in general we really wanted to focus on the story gameplay of you just like similar to legend of zelda uh, breath of uh, breath of the wild you really enjoying that aspect of where you're moving or even uh does it star wars games and single campaign uh, that's one part and then you know in the long end content obviously as you level up there there is the pvp campaigns or the mmr pvps uh which we call it multi-match ranking pvps where There's a Brandon who's like super strong. You want to find another super strong character that you can fight off and who's going to lead that faction. So uh, those are the main game aspects that we have that I think is a unique value proposition compared to uh, a lot of these um, collectible games, I guess, with a very short attention span on the longevity of the game loop.
0: Yeah, it sounds a lot more actionable, like there's a lot more that you can actually do with it. Rather than just you know, roll dice or play like a trading card game or something, um, yeah. it, it it seems like a much more much more like a role playing game. Is it PC native in any kind of way, or is it all in the browser? And do you like connect MetaMask? Um, how do you get connected to play the game?
1: That's a really good question. We're focusing on mobile. Uh, okay. So it's it's so then the people ask, all right, uh, Sean, how are you going to manage the system requirements? So we there, there, there are multiple options to lower down the resolution, but we, we do want it to be mobile friendly. And that's, that's what been, we've been aiming for. Our product market fit on the localization strategy is we're, we're first, focusing fully, aiming for Southeast Asia first, uh, especially Indonesia. I, I grew up in Indonesia. Uh, most of the team founders are from Indonesia, and it's the fourth biggest population. There's a lot of growth there. Uh, labor market is very young, and people are internet natives. And ninety-four percent of the population uh, that are gamers are willing to spend uh, for for games. So there, there's a lot of passion behind it, and uh, that's that's where we want to start off, and then jump into Philippines, Singapore, and Vietnam, and then 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 span off to global is is the current strategy that we have.
0: Have you currently launched the game? Is this available in certain regions yet, or is it still in development? What stage are you in?
1: We're currently in uh, the development phase. The, the full okay. game launches in September. However, there is a mini game. Uh, the mini game is live. We have three modes. One is Commoners War, which you have common NFTs that you could use to just try out the game. There's the, the MMR PVP that I talked about, and there is dual mode. Now, the the very big difference between the mini game and the full game, the mini game is just a very simple bootstrap auto battler. Uh, there are for 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 the gamers, we made it so that you know, uh, in the NFT space, it takes, there's a lot of volatility. And uh, we, we it, it's hard to drive patience because our, our project launched last August. So it's, it's already been almost a year. And we, we need to keep our uh, strong, critical mass of communities to, to be with us until the full game launch. So that's why we bootstrapped it to provide a little bit of utilities to try it out your NFTs. But for our side, as a developers, we're, we're aggregating every single battle data. Just last season, there was around 4,000 hours of play. So that's a lot of hours that we could kind of understand how could, we could balance out the characters so that when our full game launches, there's going to be a big difference. So right now, the mini game is fully 2D auto-battler. You could just play it with your phone and then you could try it out. And then our full game, which is uh, it's similar to Genshin Impact or Seven Deli Sins or Final Fantasy, it's a 3D rig model, but you have a 2D animation mm-hmm. wrapped around it. So, you know, if you have if you played like Naruto, uh, Naruto battle games or Tekken or uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know that it looks animated, but it has that 3D structure behind mm-hmm. the whole characters. That's that's what we're developing for a full game.
0: Got it. What's the Web3 component that's integrated into this game? I know you guys have a different kind of twist to the uh, play to or pay to play or play to earn model or whatever they call it now. Um to get people to be more involved. I think with the game, I was reading a bit on your website. Can you explain some of those incentives that are offered to gamers to be involved?
1: Got it. So if I want to answer that, I, I think there needs to be, I need to kind of go over the context of our philosophy sure. of how Web3 gaming is. And uh, obviously the, the level one, I call it, is, is what we think about as ownership and tradeability. Now, let's say, Brandon, you and I used to play, let's say, Web 2 games. Let's say like Overwatch. Then we spend our money and time on playing these games for Microsoft now. And what they give us back is something called experience or memories. Oh, that was really fun to keep, play, Brandon. Let's play next time. And then, you know, we keep spending our money and time. And that's really it. You get, that was a great game. Let's wait for Overwatch too. But on Web 3 Gaming... The, the paradigm shift that we usually talk about is ownership. You know, how that works is, all right, we, we buy these skins, we pay our money, we spend our time, but it's not just memories and experiences that game studio provides back, it's actually a little bit of the ownership that we, we actually pay for. And that's, that's the paradigm shift that we're looking forward to. And that's the, one of the features that we have when we play the game where the NFT assets that you own, or we, let's, just, let's just call it the characters. That's you. That's that's fully yours. That you could sell off uh, through through the tokens, token token tokenomic structure that we have. Every every single armor, the weapons, or the ingredients, the land that you generate, all all sellable for, for a certain token. So that's that's just one part. The level two uh, focuses on improved player experience. Now there there's three three major major prop, uh, components in in this improved user experience. One strategy. Second is collectible. I believe third one. Uh, was social now uh, in in any traditional rpg games the the fun part lies in that obviously one's exploration but second is management of your resources how are you going to resource your strength how is you going to resource your skill sets your armors or weapons but now you're adding another component component called economic management since if you involve tokenomics real money is involved on how you control your character so there's a, not, there's a second depth of how you really need to think about every single movement of growing your character, very similar to what we do in real life. And I think that's like a huge in-game depth advantage that provides a much more uh, mesmerizing experience of almost like, I, I hate the word using metaverse, but it is, it is what it is on how like every single decision uh, relates with the real, real world money. And I think that, that provides another experience that the gamer have, uh, I think, is, is what we really tried to drive forward to. And level three is kind of more on economic incentive model. And this is more on the creator, the creator economy is, is the paradigm shift that we're looking into, just like yourself driving such great content on these podcasts. The, every single people that invest their time on playing this game, let's say I make a map out of it, I make a game genre out of it, uh, they they want to get some incentive on that, right? And th- that's what, what, that, what Averix Saga allows you to do. When you're playing this game, you create your faction that you can sell off. That's, you created that from start, start zero to one. And this is something that aligns a user's economic incentive. You're not paying massive fees to like Apple or Google based on the Play Store translate like, commissions. It's, it's just you. And this doesn't go through the game studio. It's, it's a co-ownership that we have. And I think, obviously, as users like the MZ generations growing up with playing Roblox and Minecraft that you create different genres and being content creators already when you're a sixth, like sixth grader, like my cousin was playing Roblox every day creating content. This is going to be, if there's an economic incentive alignment, that's a big paradigm shift. And lastly, is just a total trans- transformation on the game distribution model in this industry. So if you talk about real game, you're trying to make a Web 2 game. You need game developers, software developers, hardware developers, streamers, esports, uh, game arenas. And each and every part takes in certain number of stake into your game ownership. And right now, just selling off your NFT collection and then using that investment as a fuel to drive your game and make a game is like a, th- this never happened in this, in this 21st century before. This is a total new business model. Uh, just and like Sequoia or like Anderson Horst investing money in just by the vision without the game coming out. Uh, based on this is never happened before. It's a paradigm shift as well. And and driving that forward on revamping how the game industry worked and disrupting this, this model, uh, is very similar to the music industry, right? Is is something that we're really looking forward to. But going back, understanding this context, what we do provide in Average Saga is. Uh, the first one obviously the ownership and um, the tradability behind your assets. second is uh, basically the economic incentives involved on how the creators, especially our heroes in this world create whatever they want it, it, it's owned by them And then lastly is obviously uh, the governance of developing it together even since we're our game is coming out in September we we have something called the Averse roundtable I do this every. Uh, bi-weekly on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone, and we, we have a community that we work together. This is the, some of the features that we're thinking about, how should you prioritize this, and we actually have our own community speak with us together to focus on what to, what to prioritize on our feature development for our GDD or our game design document, and this never happened before. If you think about like Blizzard making world of the warcraft asking the community of world of warcraft how should you build this game together is so i think that that part we're very excited about
0: yeah it's, it's crazy when you think about what they can do nowadays plus getting feedback directly from a community that loves the game you're going to get way more development done and way better development accomplished by doing that than trying to do it completely internally um, there's a lot of perks to doing things in web 3 when it comes to gaming uh, you made a good point around NFTs as well, and people using that to raise funds for games. It's it's not enough. It honestly, it totally not it's, enough.
1: It's not enough.
0: It's it's not. <laughs> um, it, it's almost like a pipe dream, unfortunately. And then what they build is is really you know simple or clanky or you know not not anything close to being able to build like a real good role playing game and um, having all those aspects that you want, but did you guys go the route of doing like a cap raise or how did you guys raise funds to to get this thing going and started
1: got it so once we sold out our nfts we realized all right we we cannot make a full on jrpg game with this amount of money so obviously we we started we did a fundraising round for a seat in private and we raised quite a lot of money back in that bull pull it was a bull run so with a, quite a, a high valuation, we were able to bring in a lot of uh, Tier 1, Web 3, and also Web 2, uh, Venture Capital. And using that money, we have been feeding upon on driving this uh, product uh, for September. So I think a lot of people are very, very, um, they, ha- they have high expectations. And as, as a CMO who also managed the investor relations, uh, we, we try to ensure that there's a lot of uh, visibility. So we. We have a quarterly report very similar to any companies that are public in nasdaq that we do uh, like quarterly earning calls that we do with our investors so to ensure that we we have full visibility on the marketing the community uh investor relations or product development tech development Uh, but yeah we, we went for the original route of uh you need institutional funding uh minimum of upwards of three to four million minimum to really drive a triple A AAA game, I, I, and it takes a lot of time. We have around forty members, full time, uh, of twenty five developers. That's a lot of numbers, and we I, I think it's it's just needed. Uh, we we do have a pretty healthy burn rate, but um, for for the long term, I, I think uh, we, we if we if we couldn't if we don't take this step, it's it's going to be another another collectible game out there, and I, I don't think that's our vision.
0: Yeah. To build something at that scale, you need the capital. You got to hire people. You got a ton of expenses to pay for. So it only makes sense. Um, What about NFTs? Are you uh, incorporating NFTs into the game in any kind of way to represent maybe characters or items or in-game events or places or things in any kind of way? I I know a lot of games are trying to do that now. Is that an aspect you guys want to do as well?
1: so we actually sold out our character collection um back in september we have eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight of them these are the genesis collection so they're like the oog mm-hmm. that people call it and um they're they're a little stronger than usual characters and then obviously how it scales up is they're able to breed certain characters uh it, obviously it follows a logarithmic curve on how much they can breed. uh it's capped so that it's it's deflationary and you know, there's a, there's a three-layer three sub-gene um, algorithm to ensure that there's a balance matched up on how the characters breed. But, and other than that, we have armors and weapons in NFTs, but that's just a Genesis collection for now. People talk about land and pets. I, I don't think making more collections than NFTs is the right way yet. I, I think having a really strong game loop and the system design uh, with what we, we already have is enough to drive forward, but going back to your question, yeah, we, we do have, you need each characters in the NFTs to actually try out the game and, uh, the weapons and armor is kind of like a plus alpha where you could use it, uh, to level up strong, a, a little faster and get to the end content a little faster.
0: What about in-game currency? I saw that you had something called, uh, Vortim, Vortim or something like that.
1: Correct. Correct. We, we do follow a double token model. Now Vortim is our in-game currency. It there, there's kind of four kind of utilities. One is like buying transactions on weapons and armor, second is upgrading skill points, third is upgrading levels, and fourth is actually you're using the same game currency to buy different ingredients or selling ingredients for transactions. And uh, the other side, we have ABRK, which is uh, Averick, uh, it's the governance token capped in 500 million. The, the utility is basically transaction fees, number one, where every time you spend your Vortem tokens to buy a certain collectible. Or a weapon and armor ingredient you have to pay a little bit on tax which goes back to treasuring as a revenue model and the second is the governance token itself obviously we talked about how we're working with the community to drive this game forward we want to this governance token allows you to get a vote voting option on on the governance of the game itself now the difference is that the vortim tokens is actually deflationary it's it's capped as well it's a dynamic capping system i can't Go over the full logistics of how it works yet, because uh, we we are we're, we're going to launch our whole revamp white paper uh, in in a month, and that that will go over every detail. But just a little a little bit of alpha is that it's a it's a dynamic capping system uh, based on how the total value of of the gaming market is moving, because you, you can't. First of all, you can't make an in-game currency. I believe this might be wrong, but this just from our side is that if it's, if it's like not capped and inflationary, no matter how much burning utilities you have with your in-game currency, uh, in the current Web3 market, there's just not a lot of gamers yet. We're too early. That's the problem. Hence, there's going to be a lot of sell, sell pressure. And it's and people won't burn it as you think we people will based on a lot of games that we've seen before. So there's uh, there's going to be hype like oversupply, which could drive a hyperinflation economy. So it has to be capped. And second is you need fiscal policies involved. How it's very similar to what governments do, and this might contradict with DeFi, but in in a game economy, I I do believe that there needs to be kind of a way where. It's centralized enough to control the ecosystem and balance of the game structure. Hence, fiscal policies like taxations, or very similar to like how how the Chinese government control yuan to stabilize. There are a lot of fiscal policies and um, or like financial instruments like loan contracts to ensure you could manage uh, the in-game currency to not inflate. Are are some of the things that we're tackling to ensure it, it is stable enough as a in-game currency in the local economy of our game system, and also it's scalable.
0: It's kind of crazy when you think about it that in today's world, in-game currencies can experience hyperinflation. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's interesting and cool in a way, but also kind of weirdly scary. Um, so, yeah, I totally understand the tokenomics model needs to be really tight and buttoned up for that kind of stuff, especially when it's done with Web3. Um, I know you mentioned the you know, relative launch date for this already, but what does the launch plan look like leading up to that? And what does the roadmap look like? What are some things that you guys are excited for that you want people to keep an eye out um, that might be coming up or that you might be promoting ahead of time? Is there anything you guys are dripping out? Are you doing it all? um on the launch day what do you want people to know
1: i think we just launched our duel in our mini game so that's i'm really really excited that we would love the people to try it out the mini game um the duel is you only need one nft and to actually think about how the nft actually structures out in the mini game so that's one i really wanted to shout out uh big big thanks to our development team to bootstrap that the second is our, our full game called Alpha will be starting on August. So the people who tries out the dual the mini game, and holds the NFTs, obviously they'll be the first ones to actually try out the game. And uh, we we take our feedbacks very seriously. So we, we have a very strong open feedback channel in Discord to ensure that every everything you play it's, it's heard and we, we prioritize it in our sprints every week that we visualize what we're working on. So uh, highly recommend to check out the mini game right now and uh especially the duel that's out so that you could actually get into the list of the closed alpha so that you could try out our our full game alpha before anyone else got it
0: um do you guys have a community uh discord telegram place where people go to chit chat and talk about Averick saga and you know kind of hype everything up
1: yeah i think uh we, we have a twitter account it's it's twitter.com slash average saga We have around sixty thousand followers um Generally, the content is more about the lore, mm-hmm. we, and the game development. We we have a pretty strong lore on how we made our Average Saga universe. Uh, most of the our our head lore master uh, wrote a lot of uh, stories for DC and Marvel. I, I know they're very different, mm-hmm. uh, so people kind of get mad about that. Like why? That's like that's that's blasphemy, but uh, she's awesome, and we we really take pride on how we who structure our lore and the Univ- average saga universe story. So check that out for our discord, obviously, again, discord.gg slash saga. You'll be able to kind of understand not just the lore, but a little bit of more understanding of how the game development is working on. There's, there's a game development side that you could take a look on and we have a pretty, a pretty happy community and a lot of mods that can answer any questions on deep dive on how the, if you, for, for the people that might have questions in this podcast, but couldn't get it answered, uh, I think the mods might know more than me now at this point. Mm-hmm. So they'll be able to actually go for some of the tokenomic structure, um, how to buy it, what's the future of play to earn. Even our mods have different views on that, but it, it, will, it will provide some good insight on, on how our game, game structure is getting developed.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think people will have a lot of questions about this. So I'll direct them to the Discord and to Twitter and to wherever people, you know, kind of talk about it. What about you? Are you online as well? People find you on social media?
1: Yeah, I, I it's, it's kind of I'm embarrassed, but I have a Twitter account. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Twitter.com. At avocados moon. Um, OK, uh, I yeah, it sounds really weird, but I, I like avocados. So all, all of my IDs are like avocados. Uh, hey own it. If you, if,
0: you, if you like avocados just own it.
1: Yeah, if you come to Discord, you just tag avocados. I I usually I'm usually there uh 18 hours. So well,
0: we got plenty of avocados here in Colombia, so I officially yeah. invite you to come <laughs> I, down do a live episode. We'll have an avocado and we'll do a follow-up.
1: No, it sounds great. But yeah, please check it out. <laughs> uh mine's a little boring. I I usually talk about like uh you know, how, how play to earn market is moving, like what Electric mm-hmm. Capital has said, high, 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 respect to Vance. Uh, Vance Spencer really talks about some really good aspects on what's 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 on development for the bear market. So I, I try to make some threads on how the institutional um, investors are moving uh, based on the Web3 gaming side or I bring in a little a little bit of this and that based on our AMAs that we do. So please check it out. That would be great.
0: Yep, yeah, guys, if you are listening and watching right now, go check out Sean. Uh, if you want to kind of learn about the thing, these kinds of things like on the back end and really understand it, go check out Averick Saga. Uh, it's coming out soon. It's going to be great. Make sure you like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Sean, thank you for taking the time to come on today. Really appreciate it. Um, very excited for this. I want to play it too. So let me know when it's about to come out so I can jump in and, and test drive this thing.
1: No, sounds great. It was a it was a it was a pleasure to be here. So I appreciate Absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Anytime. Stay safe. Uh stay well. I'll talk soon.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate the time today.
0: We'll do. See ya.